What's up growers, stoners, smokers, and cannabis connoisseurs? We're back with another weekly Wednesday podcast brought to you by Homegrown Cannabis Co. I'm your host Chronic from at the Cannabis Chronicles on Instagram and YouTube, and I'll be here blabbing every week to you amazing listeners on topics surrounding the cannabis industry. And this week's podcast, we're going to be discussing how to set up your grow room for you beginners or even you seasoned growers. Maybe I say something that you utilize into your own space. So sit back, roll one up, or take that dab as we dive into a topic many new growers ask me about daily. First thing first is you need to decide what kind of room, tent, or space you'll be growing in. Not just any space will work. I can't tell you how many times I have to tell growers that their space isn't the best for growing and they end up having to spend hundreds of dollars out of nowhere because whomever told them how to grow improperly taught them their setup wrong. First and foremost, you want to have a very clean space. Carpet is something you want to avoid growing on at all costs. If you have to grow on carpet, I 100% recommend building an enclosed space that can have clean air filtered in and out via carbon filters, which we'll discuss more later, or buying a grow tent or tents. Carpet carries many bacterias, even clean carpets like micropests such as mites. If you have a mites infestation in your garden, it's damn near impossible to beat it. It's not impossible, but you'll be spending hours and hours inside your garden daily fighting the little buggers. So, it's best to just completely prevent them from the start. So now that we understand carpet is not the best, let's discuss options for spaces. The most common spaces I get shown or asked about, or have to help round off for my growers I mentor, are 2x2x4, 2x4x5, 3x3x6, as well as closet spaces, and bigger rooms such as 4x8 tents or actual 10x10 rooms in a house or outdoor greenhouse. Now, if you're an apartment dweller and you're looking to just legally grow some bud, to just get through every month and you want to harvest with ease, not have so much of a headache and stress watching your plants and just be able to grow some potent medicine, then a 2x2x4, a 2x4x5, or a 3x3x6 tent tends to be the best options whilst growing autoflowers. This is because you don't need multiple tents with different light times. You can run one auto every few weeks to keep a perpetual growth cycle and you'll be harvesting with ease every month if you do it correct. Now, if you're in a house and have a spare room, but that room is carpeted, just go ahead and get a nice big grow tent like a 4x8 and some 2x2 tents for veg. This will allow you to have photo periods vegging while having a massive flower tent where you can transfer your plants into. If you have any type of flooring that is non-porous and easily clean, I recommend just laying down some panda plastic and lining the walls with it as well and utilizing the entire room as a grow space and adding 2x2 tents or using a closet as a veg space or dry space. This way, that keeps your plants dark during those periods. I am going over all of this as you as a grower need to plan what your grow room will be set up like for many reasons, especially electrical purposes. Many novice growers do not think about the dangers of plugging in all the components necessary to grow, and with many growers using high wattage HPS, metal halide, or CFL bulbs, fires can be started very easily if one overloads a circuit. I'm no electrician, and I won't pretend to be, but I do know that a typical American wall outlet can handle up to a maximum of 15 amps or 120 volts, which is about 1800 watts. There are 20 amp outlets that do allow 2400 watts, however, the National Electric Code says that you should not use more than 80% of it. So with that in mind, you want to generally stay at about 1500 watts or less per outlet as you won't overload it. You also want to make sure you're using surge protectors. All of this information is extremely vital in setting up your grow room for success. I recently had a message from someone having burned down part of their room and house due to improper electrical usage. They had about a thousand watts too much on a wall outlet and it eventually caught fire. 
Grow lights are powerful. HPS, metal halide, CFL all put high watts from the wall. Generally, this is why if you're in an apartment or an older house, I recommend LED over any other light. Generally, I just recommend LED over most lights these days for the home grower as they tend to be as powerful or more powerful for less wattage pull. LED diodes will give you the comparative wattage for their counterparts with less pull from the wall, which means money saving and keeping your outlet from catching fire. For instance, my Mars Hydro TSW2000 pulls 300 watts from the wall. That means on that plug alone, I only have 1200 watts left to work with that I feel comfortable using. I keep both my lights on one outlet on a timer on that same outlet I also have small USB operated fans, oscillating fans, clip-on fans, and a humidifier. So in total with the TS1000 from Mars Hydro, some fans, a humidifier, and my TSW2000 from Mars Hydro, I sit roughly at about 1100 to 1200 watts. I have a total of 6 to 700 watts to spare. All of these are also plugged into grounded power strips that have a circuit breaker. Circuit breakers are so vital to your grow room as these alone can prevent a fire if you accidentally overload a circuit. So to recap, first and foremost, you have to decide what tent, room, closet, or space works for you. You need to have a game plan of what you are growing. How many tents or spaces you'll need for your entire grow, I mean seedlings and vegging area, flower area, or dark or dry area. You need to then check to make sure the space is equipped electrically for what you hope to grow with. If it is, then at this point you need to proceed to purchase your tent or tents or build your space using panda plastic or build an actual room. If you're buying a tent for photo period growing of any kind, I recommend spending a little money on thicker quality canvas for less chance of light leaks. Also, this will help when you set up a positive VPD or vapor pressure differential and the tent blows out from the air pressure inside, you won't have as many pinhole light leaks. If you're just wanting to strictly grow autoflowers, really any tent is a great choice. VivoSun, Agromax, CoolGrow, Gorilla, HydroGrow, Mars Hydro, and many more have amazing options. Gorilla Grow tents, however, are going to be your top of the line when it comes to this industry. However, that's not to say that these other companies aren't stepping it up. Gorilla just tends to be way more expensive, but you pay for what you get. Very, very thick quality canvas, insane warranties, and a lot more. I'm no promo for Gorilla, I just want to showcase that if you're seeking to grow autoflowers, really it's up to you for what you want to buy for your tent, as light leaks don't matter. However, for photo periods, you do want to take the time to do your research and pick a solid tent that has zero chance of light leaks. So once you have your grow space picked, your panda plastic tents or room built, you need to then start collecting all the additions you need to keep a healthy grow environment. Now I mentioned vapor pressure differential earlier, or VPD, and having a positive one. Basically what this means is having more air intaking and moving around within your grow room, space, or tent than what's exhausting out of that area. So for example, in your grow room tent or setup, you would want an inline fan on a variable speed controller intaking fan at a max rate into your grow room. Then you would want a second inline fan on another controller or a less powerful inline fan, exhausting fan outside of your grow room at half the rate of the intake fan. You then add several different types of fans at different levels creating a circulating motion of wind inside and if you're using a tent you'll actually see your tent almost balloon out and puff up. This is creating a positive pressure which gives you insane benefits for growing. For one, pest control. It prevents pests from being able to land and really lay eggs or get into your garden as the constant airflow at a positive pressure keeps air moving too rapidly for them. Not to say that this is 100% pest prevention, but this helps. Constant moving air pressure and fresh air exchange allows your plants to photosynthesize at a faster rate as chemical reactions are going to occur quicker with the exchange of CO2 and oxygen happening at a consistent rapid rate. Your branches will be a lot thicker with the constant moving air pushing them back and forth like in nature. Mold, mildew, or fungus will be prevented with having a positive VPD. 
as you are consistently exchanging airflow so you won't have any stagnant, wet, or humid spots that bacteria can form on. The most beneficial is that you're able to run a high humid environment which will help give your plant a ton of benefits and resilience when growing. I keep my environments in my tents all at 72 to 75 degrees Fahrenheit and 70 to 75 percent relative humidity. I keep that consistent all the way until harvest and then drop my humidity down to 30 percent. Works every single time with zero issues of mold, bud rot, or mildew. So for fans, you'll want two inline fans on variable speed controllers, or at least one that has a controller, and then a second one that is less powerful than the controlled one. You'll want an oscillating fan or a large fan as well as several different clip-on fans. For example, my 2x4x5 has a big Lasco stationary square fan that pushes air around the base. Moving up the canopy, I have a 6-inch clip-on fan pushing air into a circle. As you move up the canopy on the other side, I then have a 4-inch clip-on fan pushing air continuing that circling motion up to the exhausting inline outtaking fan. Now we discussed keeping our environments clean earlier, and that's important. Now if you're just sucking air from outside the grow room, it's going to pull possible pests, dust, dirt, or anything else into it. So I always recommend having a carbon filter attached to both your intake and outtake inline fans. As this will assure any air coming into your grow room is clean and free of particles like dust, as well as any air exhaling will be scent free and clean for your breathing as well as odor control. You want to make sure that you also have a ducting available. I like to purchase extra as I'm a clean freak and generally change my ducting every so many grows. After tents, grow room build, or closet renovations, gathering your fans, you'll now need to consider lights. Now I could spend hours discussing all the pros and cons of all the different types of lights to use. However, from my experience of having daily questions asked for grow setups, I find people want to lessen the cost, but also put out as much power. That right there defines LEDs. With many companies moving to more quality diodes such as Cree, Cobb, Quantum Board Technology, or Samsung diodes, they're becoming massive competitors to their forefather counterparts like HPS, Metal Halide, CFL, or any others. I personally love LEDs as in small spaces they don't displace heat like other lights do, as well as the bigger models aren't as expensive in comparison with some higher powered HPS or Metal Halide. The weight, size, and overall price range of LEDs make them my top choice for the average home grower seeking to grow just their medicine, nothing commercial or for sale. When you step into commercial growing, you'd want to add a variety of lights to test spectrums. That's a whole other rant for a whole other podcast. For now, I'll give you listeners some great LED companies I've used, seen work, or am currently using. First and foremost, for quality and closest to true spectrum for Cobb components for those seeking diodes, HTG Supply has amazing 4.0 and 3.0 full spectrum lights. I'm unsure if they're going to be continuing the 3.0, but the 4.0 line is insane and they're the same price. They both have IR implemented as well as interchangeable diodes if one goes out. These are why the lights tend to sit in my number one spot. The fact that you can simply replace a diode yourself for $60 to $100 instead of blowing another $300 or more, well that's a nice perk if you ask me. Next we've got a pretty even tie between Mars Hydro and Spider Farmer. This is where I say companies really learn from each other and work off each other in healthy ways and I love it. I think Spider Farmer's lights imprints are unique for certain size spaces or tents, or perfect for those longer more rectangle spaces. Whereas Mars Hydro really does great with the PAR output in any square imprint. Both use full spectrum diodes and are dimmable. I'd recommend either of these companies to add to your grow rooms. Personally, I think snagging different brand boards gives your girls a more fuller spectrum as each company has their secret formula for their spectrum setups on their boards. There are countless other brands out there and companies, however, these are the ones that I've used and that 70 to 80% of my followers who ask me questions use. 
There are pros and cons to every single light if you're going to purchase, and someone out there will tell you some other light is better. However, you as a grower just need to be educated on who makes good LEDs, why they're good LEDs, and which companies you should support. So do some homework. However, if you do choose to support one of these brands, that's always super rad. Now that you've purchased your awesome grow light, you'll need to decide what medium you'll be growing in. Personally, for any novice grower, growing less than four plants per tent or space, soil or living soil is my number one pick. There are so many pros and cons to soil and hydroponics, however the cons for hydroponics are drastically much more difficult for a beginner to deal with, especially if you work a full-time job. So I always recommend soil, and I'll be doing a soil versus hydroponics podcast in the future, so stay tuned for that one. For now, soil is more forgiving, especially if you're using living soil like Sohum. You literally just need water. You technically don't need anything extra, which that's an insane money saver. Now, obviously with additional amendments, your girls will always be much more potent. So let's kind of dive into what essentials I consider necessary for soil growing. You will want a variation in different size grow pots or smart pots. Now that I am transitioning to smart pots, I do prefer them over normal pots, but normal pots have their standing within grow rooms. So that's all personal preference, but generally I have seedling sized 1 inch Rockwell Cube grow pots ranging in sizes all the way up to 5 gallons. I prefer 1 and 3 gallon smart pots for my girls, 5 gallons are for my big big photo periods. So pick out some pots, you'll then need to consider your grow medium. If you're using organic soil, you want to use one lighter in nutrients for seedling stages like Fox Farm Happy Frog. I personally use Fox Farm Happy Frog for my seedlings and early veg stages, then I swap my girls over to Fox Farm Ocean Forest. I also use Aurora Organics, which I really enjoyed the results so far. Generally the concept of soil is having less nutrients in early stages, more peat moss, sphagnum moss, perlite, and more aerated mixtures. And then for your more mature stages, you'd want more earthworm castings, different compost, and amendments added. This will give you more of a nutrient rich soil. For living soil, I recommend Sohum. Now with living soil, your shopping list really doesn't require any compost tea items if you don't have the money or just simply don't want to run nutrients. Living soil does contain everything you'll need for the grow within the bags you bought. However, for organics and soil growing or even living soil, I always recommend doing compost teas for feedings. I have some videos on YouTube about compost tea making as well as I'll be doing a future podcast on it. For the general principle, you want a 5 gallon bucket that you'll be adding air stones attached to an air pump into, with your tea bag that will be a base of organic earthworm castings and mycorrhizae. Then you'll add all your amendments according to the mixture and recommendations. Your amendments are going to be your personal preference on which nutrient brands you'd like to support or go with. There's veganic growing, organic growing, parsynthetic, and synthetic, so it's completely up to you. I run organics, and that's personally what I recommend. What you essentially do is create a living microbe-filled tea that you'll pH properly and feed to your girls. So to recap, for soil, you'll need pots, soil, earthworm castings as they're great for top feedings as well as they're a base for compost teas, mycorrhizae which you'll be using during transplants as well as your compost teas, air pump with air stones if you're going to be doing compost teas, a 5 gallon bucket, a pH reader, your preferred nutrients with pH adjusters such as pH up and down, and now some extras to help you growers be set up for success would be like trellis nets, bamboo stakes, or green tie downs for gardening. After all of this, you're pretty much almost set. Now you just need to think about humidifiers and dehumidifiers. Getting a humidifier and dehumidifier totally depends on the size of space you're needing to push humidity or rid humidity from. I suggest reading reviews and specifications and models to match your space. I can't stress this enough. If you're running a positive VPD like we discussed earlier, you'll want a 70 to 75 degree Fahrenheit and 70 to 75% relative humidity environment. However, if you aren't positive and you have minimal airflow, 
you'll want to stay around 45 to 55 percent and no higher. With stagnant air and humidity comes mold and mildew. That's why it's key that if you implement a higher humidity that you have to have a positive VPD. After that, the last few essentials are for harvesting your plant or just general maintenance. You'll want a few pairs of trimming shears, mason jars, a way to hang dry your plants, gloves for manicuring and handling, as well as a jeweler's loop to check trichomes. I also like having trim bins or trays to collect my trim. Ratchet hangers are always handy to have extra laying around as well as having temperature and humidity readers in different spots amongst your grow rooms or tents or setup. This will help you know how even of an environment you have and if you have any humid or stagnant spots. Extension cords, power supplies, and light timers are all great additional items to have around as a grower. So to fully recap, your grow room should be planned for your grow style, make sure to avoid carpet at all costs, keep a positive VPD in your setup with inline fans and other types of fans circulating air, make sure to fully prepare for your grow medium, soil and organics are what I recommend, make sure to have a harvest or dry space as well as all your extras such as jars, trimmers, hangers, lights, humidifiers, dehumidifiers, and sanctuary. Be sure to set up all of this prior to even germinating your seed. You should see your room function before you commit to a several month project. Once your grow room's complete, electrically safe, and has that positive VPD, go ahead and start germinating your cannabis seeds and start growing. I really hope this podcast was helpful. Unfortunately, we are out of time this week. However, be sure to check out www.homegrowncannabisco.com for all of your cannabis seed needs. They have insanely hardy and stable genetics, and you can see me firsthand grow them at the Cannabis Chronicles on Instagram and YouTube. Thank you so much for sponsoring me, Homegrown Cannabis Co. You guys are amazing, and they are exactly why I'm able to blab to you lovely listeners every single week. So be sure to follow along on whichever platform you're listening from and tune into the weekly Wednesday podcast brought to you by Homegrown Cannabis Co. If you're a grower and you're seeking a welcoming environment to learn how to grow this amazing plant, please head over to www.homegrowncannabisco.community and sign up to our forum where we have an incredibly welcoming community as well as very knowledgeable moderators who are there to help you all out. I myself am one of the moderators, so go sign up and let's have a chat. I'm Chronic. Thanks for tuning in. Stay lifted. Happy growing and peace.